Gamer Nation, many of you may have heard that a gaming icon, Mr. Dave Arneson, passed away on April 7th after a long battle with cancer. He was 61. It's been shortly over a year since the passing of Gary Gygax, the most public figure known for the creation of Dungeons & Dragons, but it was Dave Arneson and Gygax together who created that system. And by most accounts, it was Dave Arneson who initially spawned the thought of taking the chainmail war games they loved so much and turning them into a soul-person perspective adventure. He and Gygax created the very first RPG, Dungeons & Dragons, together in 1971. Without Arneson and Gygax's creation, it's safe to say that the hobby we know and love in all its incarnations wouldn't exist. What they did was open the door to this world of role-playing, and every game to grace our shelves and our tables and our hearts and our minds. It all started there, with two smart men who decided to do things in a different way. Through his love of a hobby, Mr. Arneson helped change the lives of millions who have found excitement, adventure, creativity, and friendship through a global hobby that will never die. Our hearts and our thoughts go out to you, Mr. Arneson, and to your family. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done. We raise our mountain dews in your honor, sir. A moment of silence for you. This is X5D4, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. It's against my programming to appreciate douchebags. Uh, Chupotonaya, this is Wato, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. What do you know, a Jedi? This episode of the Order 66 podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy.com and Audible.com. I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan and I still remember the goal that wasn't. Matt Machuk, a chance. Welcome back to the Order 66 podcast, episode number 63 for Tuesday, April 14th, 2009. I am your host, GM Dave. And yes, sadness engulfs us with the passing of Dave Arneson. And yes, sir, you will be missed. Um, 
don't know what else to say about that beyond the fact that we enjoy the creation that is now Star Wars Saga Edition. And with me to celebrate that is Mr. GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris. And for those of you who have walked into the door for the first time, this is the Order 66 podcast, the only fan-generated podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And we have a third co-host with us this week. Uh, TG, Twi'lek Goodness, is here with us. Hello, TG. Hello, everybody. And uh, how are we all this fine evening? Fantabulous. All doing great. Fantabulous. Well, we have an exciting show for you guys tonight. So, uh, what do you say we get started? I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. Well, you're never quite ready for that yet. But, you know, when you know, uh, when, when you know Dave, you know. And when the time is right and the moment is secure, then you can, you know, express those feelings and move forward. But you just got to be sure you're prepared and above all safe. That's well, right. Well, I'm prepared, I'm safe, and I know I'm ready. So let's go, Chris. Uh, <laughs> later. Uh, with that. Yes. Baba Bui. RFH, Radio Free Hamlet, has their 18th adventure ready for download. Uh, join DM Tim, Kate, Jackson, and David as they speak the unspeakable and delve into the monstrous horrors of the 4th edition D&D Monster Manual. And um, that's actually kind of fitting, guys, because of Radio Free Hamlet's amazing new contest, uh, which is being held right now at the forums at d20radio.com forum. Uh, the DMs want you to design a monster for 4th edition, and your best write-up for a creature to cause maidens to faint in unison. And in return for this Herculean effort, the winner of this contest, which will be decided on May 1st, will be rewarded with a badge to Gen Con, paid for, complete with a VIG companion tag, Yum. all provided by the Radio Free Hamlet and Yum. the stupendous uh, generousness of the, uh, of the DMs. Yummy. Very cool. Yummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. It's awesome. Yummy. Very awesome. Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast has released episode numero 11. On set for really? those of you Spanish speakers, mostly Joe and his good buddy Eric, go into the hero system, or continue, I guess, foray into the hero system, yeah. with a focus on the magician character. And they happen to get just a little bit of help from a couple of members of the Gamer Nation. And who might that be? Well, you'll have to tune in to find out. Oh, see, that's just not fair. That's called the tease in Radio Land. <sighs> I don't like to do it well, Dave. Thank you very she much. Does. And she, she would know she's a master of the tease. Oh, yeah. 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 Ooh, and you know, speaking of teasings and ticklings and all this and that, Game On released a podcast this past week that uh, tickled my sense of nostalgia with, with a, uh, oh, it really did. It tickled it felt good. Uh, with, with a delve into a long-forgotten dungeon. And uh, in memoriam to D&D co-creator Dave Arneson, uh, they took time to stroll down memory lane with a short play session of some old-school D&D. Uh-huh. I loved yeah, it, too, man. Yeah. It was. I haven't listened to the whole thing, but I um, I think I'm up to where he, like, out-quicked. He out-quickified the dude to get, like, the, the bread. The, the bread. It is hilarious. I absolutely love it. It, just, it brought... Well, it brought a lot of memories back. That's so, right. see, um, see, Axel, if why are we fighting, Axel? He he gives away half the bread. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know that's what you're gonna do anyway. Yeah, y'all listen to Game On. 
It's fantastic. So, Twi'lek, goodness, and I have debutted a brand new creation of completely geekiness, haven't we? Yes, I, I, I would venture to say it's geeky goodness with Twi'lek goodness and GM Dave. Geeky goodness with Twi'lek goodness. See, that's perfect. Yeah. Ah. So, <laughs> that's right. So, we said it was a podcast about nothing, and it is. It's a podcast about nothing, and it's a podcast about everything. We are going to talk about so much, it's going to make your head spin, and you're going to tune in just because you love the hosts. That's that's pretty much why you're going to do it, and we invite you to listen to it. The first episode of Geekapalooza is up and available at D20 Radio, and all you have to do is follow the feed that is available on the website. And I had a whole lot of fun doing it. We were talking about the CMAs, and Rascal Flats was our spinner spare, and we talked about... Star Trek, the next generation. Bald men and our lists. Yeah, it was it was revealing to say the least. That's a little too much reveal for some people, but uh yeah, still enjoyable. Yeah, I know. And uh while you guys are over at the website checking that out, you can of course do what a lot of people are doing right now, which is watching this podcast live at the Ustream chat room. Um, our, yes. our live vidcast. And uh, I understand we've had a recent change in address. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, hello to the 31 of you in the chat room. We appreciate you being here, sirs and madams. And yes, the feed address, well, not the feed address, the actual Ustream address has changed. It is now ustream.tv slash channel slash D20 radio. So basically all of my shows that I am a host on that would be GM Dave, me, since I have four shows, are all going to be under D20 Radio. And so that way you don't have to follow one for the Holocron and one for Geekapalooza and one for Order 66 and another one for Half the Couple. Hey, you know, hey, what are you going to do? It just, it just is. That's right. And if this next little daily dose of Dave and Deanna get off the air, get off the ground, well, we'll see if that happens. That'll be a fifth. Yeah, you were talking about that, doing a daily podcast. What, like three minutes long? Three minutes, uh, first thing in the morning. And, yeah, like at 6.30 in the morning, every morning. What What will you cover? I have no earthly idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to start. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm, it's like a blank canvas. I haven't painted it yet, but it, the inspiration, the inspiration is coming to me as we speak. I just know it. I just know it. Well, I was inspired by the wonderful work you did recently on our new website, which folks can go to at d20radio.com and check it out and all its flashy goodness. Um, oh, yes. And, of course, get the links to all of our casts and our vidcasts and get some D20 Radio swag by clicking on the donation link, which is fantastic. And uh, I guess as far as other pieces of announcements, we've got uh, two new contests, do we not? Um, uh, the first one, we're actually starting to see some entries for, Dave. I don't know if you've noticed that it's been showing up on the forums. I have seen a couple. In fact, I saw full-on gamers straight from Iraq with his D20 radio shirt fully on display during a softball game. Very, very nice. Gotta love it. Well, tell us about that contest. Okay. The contest is viral marketing at its finest. Basically, create an ad, a link, or something that directs people to the Order 66 podcast. We had a blog entry set in. Basically, we want you to do something that, like, tells people about Order 66 or D20 Radio or whatever. 
And if you can send us a screenshot or a link to whatever you do, then we'll measure the traffic that comes in from that said site and we'll figure out who's going to win. Now, we've only had a few entries and so we kind of like decided yeah. we didn't have like a dozen entries. We we're going to shut it off. And I had kind of put out the 15th as a makeshift deadline. So if I don't get it a couple of more, we're just going to shut it down. But for those of you that have sent in a couple of things, we do appreciate it. So you've Maybe. never said in the rules that uh, um, technically I can't submit, right? No, I've never, I've never said any rules that, you know, that D20 radio employees and their families are ineligible. However, I just did. Oh, oh snap. It's... Isn't that terrible? Rule changer. I am a rule changer. That's what he is. Yeah. I do but it. We have... mm-hmm. I do it on purpose. Yeah, you do. We have a second contest going on right now. Name that chat room. Um, thanks to the wonderful suggestion of High Jedi, uh, we've decided to give our uh, live stream chat room a name, and you will all see a poll up right now asking you to vote on the name of our chat room. The voting will end April 30th, and a winner will be decided. And as we discussed last week, the prize for that is going to be two way to well, a gallop upgrade to three way to goes and an attaboy. That's right. And no, Fiddleback, there are no employees of D20 Radio. It's just if you're heard on the air, you qualify as an employee, and I pay you by allowing you to continue to broadcast. How about that? Ooh. I am feisty today. My goodness. You are feisty, wouldn't you? I know. Kitty Kitta has claws. Mm. Uh, (laughs) All right. Juicy bits of web goodness. Um, The Jedi Academy training manual has been officially announced on Watsi's site uh, with that beautiful leaked Amazon cover confirmed. Um, This cover is probably my most favorite to date. It is utterly gorgeous. Um, But the announcement confirms that the book will contain, quote-unquote, all new Force powers, talents, feats, and other new mechanics designed specifically to enhance Force-sensitive characters and will contain an extensive lightsaber customization system. We drool, Watsi. We drool. Are you happy? And that book comes out when exactly? (laughs) Um, Wow, that's a really good question. May 18th, I think. Yes, I I get it. May 18th. Wow, don't tell me I stumped the band on that one. You did. My God. Um, I don't have the page up. But you can see this in all its glory right now on the front page at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. Ah, yes. And one giant piece of news. Chris, what did we receive in the mail today about a con? Oh, got a wonderful email from the fine folks at ReaperCon. Of course, Reaper Miniatures, which is located here in the DFW area. And next month, they're having a convention. ReaperCon, May 14th through 17th. It's a huge minis convention with painting and classes and all kinds of stuff. And the guys at ReaperCon are fans of the show, of the Order 66 podcast, and they were sending us some emails and talking about that. And I am proud to announce that the Order 66 crew, comprised of myself, TG, GM Dave, and probably several other people in the area who are listeners, um, we'll be at ReaperCon, and what's more, we will be running Star Wars Saga Edition games. Ah, you yes. said me, but you mean you. y'all. Not, oh, not. don't worry, TJ. I won't force you into the GM's chair just yet. <laughs> Thank you, because I was starting to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be there. Uh, because obviously it, it's in Denton, which is just north of Dallas. It's wonderfully close to us, and um, we will be there ninja style, throwing down some saga games like so much throwing stars. Heck yeah! yeah. 
So I hope to see some members of the Gamer Nation there. Um, and to find out more about the amazing con that this is, head over to www.reapermini.com slash ReaperCon. Yo. When we get more details on the exact times and whenever and all that that we will be running events, we will let you know. But um, uh, it's a little uh, – their own schedule is a little uh, uh, impromptu at the moment. So There you go. Excellent. I'd rather call it extemporaneous. Okay, so what did you get by way of uh, postcards, boy? Oh, boy. Oh, wow. wow. I got kind of a weird postcard today, guys. Um, it's a very strange postcard. It, it has a, a scaly shimmer to it, and it's clearly carefully made. A picture of a jungle-covered world is hand-painted on this card, but attached to it is a, a micro-hollow projector that displays words whenever I touch the card. Um, it feels slightly painful and, and draining if I hold it too long, but, but the words read, His potency, the Shri Tuft, welcomes you to Lohek, Traveler. We are eager to put you to service. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. GM Dave and GM Chris. Well, guys, my unit is finally on a covert mission. Feels good to train these FNGs for proper work in the Empire. We're part of a detachment that's been assigned to a secret task force for some kind of Imperial project codenamed Hamatong. I'm not sure what it's about, but I recognize many of the scientists on this mission from an earlier excursion my unit took to Margito to retrieve a massive focusing crystal. But it's been made known to us that the Empire is researching alternate means of power generation. That research has led to an exploratory mission to a planet beyond the known galaxy, past the Rim. I had no idea there were planets out here, much less ones the Empire already had knowledge of, but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. We've headed to the remote Sea Rock Star Cluster, and the planet Lil Heck. This humid and jungle-covered world is broken up by hundreds of spired cities that tower out of the natural landscape. The native sea rock species is very strange. They're clearly a military power in this region, as they've conquered numerous worlds in this cluster. An avian species resembling 300-kilo bipedal lizards, they stand nearly two meters tall, with long tails, short arms, and snouted mouths. Sets of strange nose tongues constantly flick the air as they move. A highly regimented and caste-based society, the color of a sea rook's skin determines its place in the world, from the deep blue scales of the politician to the crimson red of their fierce soldiers. But the reason we're here is to explore the sea rook's unusual method of power generation, a process they call attachment. Uh, through their alien technology, the sea rook are somehow able to draw the life force from a living being and use it to power their ships and other large machinery. The Hamatong Task Force seems intrigued by this possibility. We're scheduled to meet with His Potency, the Shriftut, the supposed ruler of these savages, in the coming hour. My ears are twitching. I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I'd best recheck my armor and weapon. The men look worried. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Uh. Huh. Sounds like the Matrix is coming to Star Wars. 
That's very, very interesting. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been to, you know, past the Outer Rim. Um, you know, I've traveled rather extensively, but uh, never out there. I can only imagine these strange and unusual wonders that would exist in those desolate and dark regions of space. I'm worried for Commander Cody. I hope, hope nothing happens to him. I hope he uh, dies. Oh, I'm sure Cody will be fine. He's a pretty resilient fellow. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> of course, I'm right. <laughs> okay. Get used, yeah, yeah. Indulge in that because you're not going to hear that very often. Yes, only you remind <laughs> me so often. Mm. <laughs> it's my job. Yep. All right, so let's do this. And now, Stormtrooper Poetry. With Vader, one day we did meet. The admirals bowed down at his feet. But they'd screwed up again at Cloud City Bespin, and I nearly made commander of the fleet. Stormtrooper poetry. Nice, a limerick. <laughs> Very nice. Excellent work, Fiddleback. See, the next thing... What? I thought that I was like... excellent work, Fiddleback. Oh, I thought that was like TK49 or 6. I, I, I don't know Fiddleback. Oh, my, my bad. Okay, yeah. Good job, whoever... Random stormtrooper sent that into us. Yes, random. Yeah, that's right. See, if if we had truly lost our our way with Lucas, it would be a random soldier, random soldier from unknown sci-fi series poetry. <laughs> oh my God! Do we have any mail? Um. Yeah, I suppose so. We might, but. That would require us. Uh, that would require us actually stop stepping uh, into the docking bay now, wouldn't it? It would. Day twenty docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. So, D20 Docking Bay is brought to you today by, I don't know. By? My left arm and a mole on Twi'lek Goodness's upper shoulder blade on the right side. Oh, my God. How do you freaking know that's there, Dave? Chris? Uh, Well. Hey, 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 hey. That was told to you in confidence, sir. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Now the whole Gamer Nation knows. That's fantastic. I know. Wait until I tell them about that thing on your... Uh, never mind. Hey! Say now. Hey now. Questions! What kind of questions do we got? No, I'm not sure. Hold on. Let me let me change the music, sir, because I... Uh... Ah. Drink. Well, I no, it's not a drink. That one's, a, you know, that one's an actual change of music because I really wanted to change the music. No, let me get this straight. You're just telling people not to drink. Yeah, because that wasn't an error. Well, maybe maybe TG was just telling people they need to drink. You know, not because of an error, just because you know it's a good thing. Because it's fun to drink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, drink. yeah. Drink, drink because it's because it's the cantina song, right? <laughs> All right, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, first, what we have is. An update to an answer we gave two weeks ago during episode number 60, in which uh. Steel Frog wrote in to ask about the benefits of stacking explosive. We gave our opinion on the matter, and we neglected a very good point, which was brought up by email, uh, in email by Theo, who said this. 
The most useful reason for stacking satchel charges is that they're useful against static emplacements. With that in mind, stacking the charges for an extra 2d6 damage increases your odds of blasting through SR and DR. like the voice. Yeah. I liked it too. That was Theo. But you know, oh, it's, it's, that's Theo. I'm sure Theo appreciates it. But you know what, Theo is exactly right. Um, just placing multiple charges next to each other won't combine them to overcome DR. Um, in fact, that way, I mean, the DR would apply to each attack if you did that. But a single charge with more damage output will blow through it. Now, I didn't consider that in my earlier answer because with a decent mechanics check, you ignore DR when placing explosives anyway, but that discounts two very important things. One, SR, which I forgot about, and that can be a big deal. And two, a noob who's placing explosives, all right? It's not easy sometimes, especially when you're, when you're low level, to make a DC 25 mechanics check <laughs> uh, that you need to get past the DR. So there you go. Um, there you thank go. you for mentioning that, Theo. You're the okay. man. You're the man. Okay. I have a question. So okay. I'm still I'm still kind of confused. So if I stack explosives, that means I automatically pass the DR? That just means I don't have to worry about the DR? No, 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 no. Um, okay, um, good, 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 good question. Okay, I guess the best way to explain it is be an example. Okay, let's say I want to, let's say I want to blow up a, a Durasteel door, okay? Now, this is not, these aren't the actual statistics, but for ease of sake, let's say that it has like 50 hit points and DR of 40. Okay, really, really tough. Well, if I just take my little 5 die 10 charge and I put it down there and I make the attack roll and it blows up, it's very unlikely that it's going to overcome that DR and, and, do, and thus doing no damage to the door. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. okay. Well, if I take like three explosives and put them next to each other and I shoot them all off at once, they're all just going to make separate attacks. Still, each one of them is going to be unlikely to overcome the DR. The DR will apply to every single one of those. But if I stack explosives... It increases the, you know, it's still one charge, but it increases the damage by two die six. So if I do that a couple times, I've got nine, you know, nine die six of damage, and that's very likely to beat that DR and seriously damage the door. Does that make sense? Okay, perfect sense. Yeah, I okay. get it now. Thank you okay. very much, Theo. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so now we have a question from IRL Potato, who's from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, that's absolute greatness. So he has three very good questions about starships and damage, and he posted those on the forum. So here are his questions. Hey, lads. Three for you. Okay, I'm going to even quit because <laughs> there's no way I can do that. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Apologies if they've been asked before, he says parenthetically. But what I shall say is question number one. Oh, wait. Hold on. Question number one. Okay. I think I recall reading that when piloting ships, condition penalties are cumulative. Something like if a character is minus one step on the condition track and their ship is minus two, then they suffer both effects. If that's the case, are they at minus three penalty or are they the third step down the condition track taking a minus five? Okay, um, Potato, the, the raw says that they are cumulative, and that is on page 148 of the core rulebook, but this doesn't mean what you think it does. It simply means that both condition track penalties apply, um, so it doesn't create one huge condition track which you move down. So, okay, if I'm, if I'm personally minus one down the condition track, maybe from radiation sickness, and the ship is minus one down the condition track because it got hit by an asteroid, then I take a total minus two on my pilot checks. Not because minus two is the next step down the condition track, but because minus one plus minus one equals minus two. 
But by the same token, if I'm at a minus 5 and the ship is at a minus 10, I will take a minus 15 to my pilot checks. Does that make sense? Right. So in your example of minus 1 for the person and minus 2 for the ship, then it is a minus 3, not a minus 5. Correct. Correctamundo. Okay, question number 2. Oh, excuse me. Question number 2. Page 168 of the core rulebook states that when a ship is powered down or disabled, it is at zero to dex, minus five to reflex defense. Given all the kerfuffle, I, I guess that is, I guess that's like an IRL word. That's kerfuffle. It's kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. Awesome. Whatever. Okay. Given all the kerfuffle about there being no penalties applied to unconscious characters because they are in enough trouble as it is. This seems oddly contradictory. Or do you treat unconscious creatures as having zero decks, which is usually negated by them being prone? So, there you go. Okay. I think it, um, that's a little weird. Go ahead. Well, it, it is kind of obvious. It's a good question. Um, first of all, Potato, the, the, the kerfuffle um, states that an unconscious character uh, gains no condition track penalty for being unconscious. Likewise, disabled ships gain no condition track penalty for being disabled either. Now, as you point out, on page 168, it does clarify that disabled vehicles get a minus five to reflex defense and that their dex is zero. But the minus five is simply because minus five is the dex modifier for a dexterity score of zero. And per page 145 of the core rulebook, this exact same thing does apply to characters. Check the reflex defense section, second to last paragraph. Helpless, i.e. unconscious, characters are treated as having a dex of zero, thus suffering a minus five to reflex defense as well. And yeah, that, that actually would be negated by the plus five you get from being prone, assuming that people are firing at them with ranged weapons. If somebody's standing over them, they'll actually take another minus five to their reflex defense if they're you know, hitting them with a vibro axe or something. Nice. So, does okay. that make sense? Cool, yeah. Question number three. Ooh, I like this. You need to do the whole podcast in that voice. Not really, but it would be fun. (laughs) Page 169 of the core rulebook with Irata says that if a ship is destroyed, half of the damage that exceeds the damage threshold is applied to the crew. Does anyone have any experience with this? This seems a bit too lethal for my taste, especially if someone has been saving their maneuvers for that last big hit. Does this damage come before or after the DC-20 acrobatics check to get to an escape pod? Okay, so... Wait a second. If if a ship is destroyed, so half of the damage after you subtract the damage threshold... Yes. Right. So, so, so if you do fifty and the damage threshold is twenty, so um, people would take fifteen points of damage. Right. Precisely. Okay. Precisely. Okay. Pre- precisely. Um, first off, when, uh, in terms of the acrobatics check to get into an escape pod, when you're performing the check to get into the escape pod as a reaction to an attack, that would happen before the damage took effect, much the same way the deflect roll occurs before the shooter bothers rolling damage against a Jedi. Now, once you're inside that escape pod, you're no longer inside the damaged ship. You're inside the escape pod, so you're not going to take damage from the damaged ship, although the escape pod very well might. Um, and... Yes, I have used this in practice. And honestly, dude, it's really not that lethal. 
Um, I mean, half damage of the damage that happens to exceed the ship's damage threshold, it can be nasty, but if it is nasty, it should be. You are inside of a ship that is exploding. Now, in practice, though, it's honestly not that lethal. I mean, okay, let, let's say I'm, I'm, in, I'm a TIE fighter pilot, and I'm working hard for the Empire, and some rebel scum just comes along and blows up my shiny ship with his X-Wing. Poodoo. Uh, well, he's going to average 60 points of damage with his laser cannons. Now, my TIE fighter has a damage threshold of 32. That's 28 points of damage exceeding the damage threshold and only 14 points of damage that I will physically take. And since I haven't really taken any damage at all up to this point, only my ship has, it's pretty much a deep bruise. Um, my ship mm-hmm. is a smoking husk of debris floating in space, and I sure hope my flight suit life support lasts until I get picked up. Yep. Um, now, now, if if the X-Wing is pulling out all the stops as you put it on that last hit... I could conceivably take a lot more damage. That's very true. Right. But if a, if a fighter pilot is pulling out all the stops, the intent is to kill the pilot and the crew mm-hmm. along with the ship. So I, I would find that mechanically sound. Yeah, I would say so too. And, you know, worst case, your ship blows up around you, you're floating in time, and hopefully you get picked up by the Vogons who will read your poetry. As long but, as you don't have your towel. Apparently, yeah. yeah. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Oh, never mind. I could play it for you. I played it during Geek Palooza. Different episode. It's okay. You can thrill me at the end with it. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Okay. So, Pierced Geek. Awesome. Posted up a Starship Combat question on our forum. I'm just wondering, Pierced Geek, where you have your piercings. I'm just curious, you know. If you have that really piercing, want to know? It's, it's a Prince Albert. It it just oh. it just depends. Okay, it just depends. If Pierced Geek is a female, then I want to know. If a male, I really don't care. That's just the way. That's just the way it is. So you know, it's kind of like my Facebook invitations. You know, all you guys that send me Facebook invitations, if you're if you're a chick, you pretty much get approved on the spot. If you're a dude, well, you gotta you gotta convince me. So there you go. Okay, so let's get to the question. Which vehicular or starship weapon require that a character have the weapon proficiency heavy feat to operate without a penalty? Normally, I'd assume that it applies to all weapons mounted on a vehicle or starship. So the reason I ask is that several of the characters, one would expect to use starship weapons rather often, like Luke, Anakin, or Chewbacca, don't have the feat in their official stat block. So is Luke taking a minus five penalty? On attack rolls, every time he goes into combat in his X-Wing? Well, that's a, a very good question. Um, I was actually talking to, to a player of mine, Brev, um, about something very similar this past week. Um, first of all, all starship weaponry is considered heavy weaponry. And as such, if you have, heavy, if you have weapon proficiency heavy weapons, it will let you use all starship weapons at any time without any penalty whatsoever. Now, having said that, there is more than one way to skin a Gundark. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Uh, the most often and, and quite frankly, forgotten, usually, um, and, and feat, and one more reason this feat is utterly amazing, is vehicular combat on page 89 of the core rulebook. Not only does that cool feat allow you to make a pilot check to negate an attack on your ship once around, but when piloting, you're considered proficient in all pilot-operated weaponry, and that is how both Anakin and Luke avoid taking that minus five penalty behind the controls, at least in terms of their official stat blocks. Yep. Um, also consider 
per page 171 of the core rulebook, any character trained in pilot automatically gets a plus two to attack rolls made with pilot-controlled weapons. That's a big deal. So even without vehicular combat or heavy weapon proficiency, a trained pilot would only take a minus three penalty instead of a minus five. So right. There's something, something to think about. Now, there are still other ways to avoid this penalty, Dave. Um, namely, uh, the Space Hound talent on page 47 of the core book um, is pretty slick. And um, it ensures that you take no attack penalties uh, for being in a zero-G environment. And you also never suffer from space sickness, which I'm sure you and TG both can attest to. Sucks balls. Yeah. It, it inhales sharply, I'll tell you that. It does, especially when you're fighting Minox on the hull of a damaged ship. All right, shut up. <laughs> I can't hit anything. I'm in a minus 10. Why am I in a minus 10? Because you're in zero G and you took the effects of space sickness. This sucks. I don't want to play anymore. Take my ball, go home. I'm taking, yeah, there's, I am home. there's a lot of people taking their balls and going home. <laughs> that was a funny counter. Um, but also, the space hound talent gives you proficiency with any starship weapon. That is how Chewbacca, per his stat block, gets by. And more recently, there is the Gunnery Specialist feat from page 31 of the Clone Wars Campaign Guide. Very cool feat. Once an encounter, you can reroll an attack that you make with a vehicle weapon. But in addition, you're considered proficient with vehicle weapons that you control as a gunner. Any vehicle weapon. So, kind of, kind of what uh, vehicular combat does for pilot-controlled weapons. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. Phantasmatic, as they say in the real world today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you betcha, you know. Okay, TR Starfish. Okay. Also has a question about crafting. Okay, craft. The makers of fine foods everywhere. Here is something that I need to ask. Could a character build armor with the build object application of the mechanic skill? I would say yes, because it makes complete sense to me that a PC spending hours over hours... This is not Star Wars Galaxies. Let's move on. Never mind. Okay. Spending hours over hours to build a weapon could also build armor in the same manners. In the same manner. However, I didn't find anywhere in the statistics for hit points of the different armors, which are important to know, of course, how long a character would need to build such an object. Help me, Gamer Nation. You're my only hope. Have I overlooked somewhere... The statistics for armors in Saga. I have only found these statistics for objects table in the core rulebook, page 151. But it also doesn't say anything about armor hit points. Hmm. Yes. Let's just well, go ahead and power uh, down right now. Oh, wow. Well. Hmm. <laughs> well, I read your question, Starfish, and I started scratching my head. Um, and going through the books, because it also struck me that you were right. But by the time I actually found the answer, you had actually already discovered it yourself and posted it up on your original request. But this is still a good question, and the answer should be shared with the Gamer Nation. So, for those unaware, creating an item via the mechanics skill is detailed on page 30 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Now, depending on the item and its complexity, you make a mechanics check for one hour spent crafting. Success, and you complete 1.8 hit points of that item, although larger items can take longer as appropriate. Um, but So, in, in other words, it's important to know the total hit points of the item in order to determine how long it takes to craft it. But where is that armor hit point listed? It's really not. But there is a small blurb in the KOTOR campaign guide, page 80, which tells us what we need. 
It's under the Bronzium Cast Armor Template description, and it states that armor has the same DR, hit points, damage threshold, and break DC of a weapon the same size category as the wearer. That little piece of information lets you use the object statistics chart on page 151 of the core rulebook to figure out what the hit points are for a medium suit of armor. Same as a medium weapon. Mm. It's a good catch, sir. Thank you for bringing that up. McCarty, 151, the new sponsor of Order 66. That would be, that would be page oh. 151. Yeah, you know? whatever. Now, you know, listening, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Hey, it's you. Tuesday, you know, it's Tuesday night. It's 9.30 at night, and Excuses. I'm tired. Excuses. Excuses are my middle name. Okay. Well, I thought it was Horace. La- lastly, we got an email from a listener named Sam this week who took time to write between his ever-so-busy shooting schedules, apparently. I don't know who this guy is. I, I really don't know who this guy is. This doomsday fellow that I see on the TV? I mean, seriously. The guy is... The guy, I mean... He's always bugging y'all, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's taking advantage of our of our friendship and everything. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not like... It's not like we've ever asked him for a favor or anything, like getting us into a I know, invitation total, total, only, total you know, ungratefulness, complete invitation ungratefulness. only event at at you know Skywalker Ranch or anything. You know, we've never well, done I anything can, like that. I can tell you, it's affecting our mine and GMC's relationship because he's always talking about how much this guy is bothering him. I know, he's stressing him out. I know, it's stressing me out totally. I really wish he'd just leave me the heck alone. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Whatever you so, say. So, so, so does this, this person have an actual question? Yeah, he does. His first question is, how do I get a temporary restraining order against Twi'lek goodness? Oh, wait, no, that wasn't actually, <laughs> oh, that, that wasn't meant for You're not air. supposed to read that one out loud, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was on the show notes. I mean, seriously. All right. Sorry. Um, so, what he says here is, if a prestige class has a prerequisite of level 7, that means the earliest a character can become this class is level 8. But then, why is it that if a character needs plus 6 base attack bonus for double attack, he can take it at level 6? Any ideas? That's actually a very good question, sir. Um, very common. To explain it, let's, let's first talk about normal leveling compared to prestige class entrance. Okay, so, so when you level up, certain things happen. Okay, your, your base attack bonus might increase. Uh, you might gain a feat or two, um, or a talent. Your ability scores might increase, possibly causing you to learn a new trained skill or a force power or gain more hit points. Now, in, in prior editions of D20 Star Wars system, uh, the order in which these things took place was kind of a big deal. They, they laid it out in extreme detail, what happened first, and then next, and then next, and then next, and so on and so forth. But with Saga Edition, Rodney and company have clarified that when you level up, you adjust these certain things in whatever order is most beneficial to you. For example, let's say I'm moving up to a third level soldier, and I'm going to get a talent and a third level character feat. Now, as my talent, I want to take weapon specialization, but that has a prerequisite of weapon focus, which is a feat, and I don't have it. So I can choose to first take my feat, choosing weapon focus, so that I can then qualify for the weapon specialization talent, all at the same level. And this was kind of a bold step for D20 systems, um, that lack of granularity slash suckage in leveling. Um, and as such, folks assume the same thing applied to prestige classes, but Rodney and company have clarified the opposite. 
when le- and it's not really the opposite. It's just a very simple precept. When leveling into a prestige class for the first time, all the listed prerequisites have to be met before you actually level into it. And that's the rub. The reason prerequisite minimum level 7 means you got to be level 8 before you get in. By the same token, a prestige class with prerequisite plus 7 base attack bonus means you have to have the plus 7 base attack bonus before taking the prestige class. I couldn't have a plus 6 and then take my first level on Elite Trooper because its base attack bonus gives me a plus 7 all of a sudden. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Yeah. TG? Yeah, uh. yeah makes sense. All right, because I know you and I have had conversations about that before, too. So, yeah, that's kind of the general answer. Yeah, precisely. That's what they precisely. say. So we'll pay our little homage to Smallville and... So you recognize that. If you watch the show, you recognize it. <laughs> Thank you for to our good friend Sam for that question. And um, if you guys have any questions for D20 Docking Bay, you can, of course, email us, gmchris at d20radio.com, gmdave at d20radio.com, or you can sign on to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum, or, of course, call the Lusa line, which none of you did this week, you mugs. Damn it. Um, and what number is that loser line, Dave? There you go, 206-605-872 or L-U-S-A. Please leave us a verbal question. Uh, we would very much like that. We will play it on the air and get your lovely voice over the Institute waves. Or, of course, leave us a bumper. Tell us that you never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Yeah, tell us that. Please tell us that, you know? Please. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, whatever, and whatever is whatever. Yeah, so, did you uh, actually... I got a chance to go. Did you? Out. See, I didn't get a chance to go this week. I thought you were. I was hoping you'd get to make it out. I did. I did. And uh, we'll. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Hey, welcome to Wattles. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement. And I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Uh... Alright, so this week ran down to Watto's and picked up a handy-dandy little thing that'll allow you to carry your friend around, even if he is frozen in carbonite. <laughs> the repulsor pad. Ah! Indeed. You know, we've been, you know, TG and I have been talking about getting one of these, uh, you know, for the garage. It would make things very handy, you know, moving potted plants and, uh, you know, ar- armaments and weaponry. Ah, it yes. Would, it would be useful. Very, very yeah. useful. Oh, but I thought that's what a husband was for. Yeah, the, the back's given out, so, you know. Yeah. Time comes. Gotta get Again, excuses. You've been hanging out with Jim Dave too much. Well, yeah. That well, yeah. It's just it's just an excuse to get that big piece of machinery of GM Brevs out of your garage. It's gone. He sold it. Oh, did yeah. he finally sell it? Really? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Gamera, uh, GM Brev had a, an original Miss Pac-Man machine from 1981 that he was desperately trying to sell, and I had a garage sale. He's like, dude, can I put it in your garage sale? I'm like, of course, man. So I you know, broke a sweat and helped him heave it over there, and it didn't sell at the garage sale. And so he was going to use Craigslist, and uh, things sat in my garage for what, two months? No, it was something like four months. Four months, yeah, and I didn't mind. I got the chance to go out there and flip it on and play Miss Pac-Man every once in a while, but he finally sold it. It was totally awesome. Nice. Very nice. I would have liked to have had a repulsor pad to uh, lift the goddamn thing onto the truck. but I know. know. That would have been so useful. It would have. Well, well, tell us about this device, Dave. All right, so it can make your life a whole lot easier. Obviously, it can be used to cart up heavy machinery, plundered loots, you know, whatever. Friends floated in carbonites, Jabba. (laughs) Way too useful. Okay, so it's a flat panel, right? has four repulsors, basically, at each corner. Occupies a single square. Okay. Can you lift any object that occupies a single square? There is no weight concern whatsoever. What? Really? Yep. So if you've got if you've got a ship that up- occupies multiple squares, then you just need that many repulsor pads, and you can lift the whole damn thing. <laughs> Activated as a swift action, moves along with the character. If the character spends a swift action to grab it and drag it, that is, you know, two characters oh. fighting. Um, over which uh, direction to move it? Just simply uh, do so with opposed strength checks. Simple and easy. Yeah. So gravity is not a, a matter for this object, then? Gravity is not an issue. Gravity is overrated, you know. Okay, this yeah. thing only weighs 6 kilos and only costs 200 credits. That's most, it? Yep, very versatile tool. One of the most in the game. But, you know. Oh, my noble is so getting one now. Just to have it follow behind her. I know. It <laughs> like is, a know, little robot. It's kind of big, you know, but heck, it is uh, very important to especially have some in the cargo hold of any ship. So, you know. Dude, I've, I've seen these used in so, such unusual ways. Um, and, you know, I know that the, the stats for this came out in The Force Unleashed, and a lot of people passed it by. Um, but I'm really glad they actually gave stats for it. I, I mean, in my Star Wars gaming career, I have seen thieves use one of these at, along with a grappling hook to creatively bypass pressure-sensitive doors by, like, tossing the grappling hook and standing on the thing and then pulling themselves across the room. I have seen these things tied to speeders with mesh tape to create a, a makeshift cargo train. I mean, the the applications are, are, are endless. It's almost See? as useful as, as mesh tape and, and you know, uh, liquid, instant rope. Yep, liquid cable is what I was about to say. Yeah, man, liquid cable. It's, it's just, it's, 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 you know, it's endless. It's, it's, you can do all kinds of stuff with it. So. Heck yeah. Heck Very yes. Very cool. Heck yes. Okay. So, um, let's take a look at fragments from the rim, shall we? Oh, Alex and Trevor show. I like me like Absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the other side. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 11 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to look at a noble talent, Dirty Tactics from page 14 of Scum and Villainy. Uh, I'm particularly interested in this one because I happen to have in our gaming group a Tagruta. Uh, And one of the racial abilities of the Tagruta is that they gain a plus two damage from flanking. This particular talent from the noble talent tree allows you to grant a plus four flanking bonus once per encounter for all allies which are within line of sight from you. 
That would be replacing the existing plus two flanking bonus that you would get. It has no duration, except when the line of sight is broken from you, the noble that is giving this this bonus. This is really a nice combination, especially if you look at something like the Togruta's bonus damage from flanking, and combining that would add even more benefit for having extra bonus from flanking. Over to you, Trevor. And today I want to talk about the Jedi Sentinel talent called Dark Retaliation, which can be found on page 25 of the Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. As it is described, it basically says that once per encounter, you may spend a force point to activate a force power as a reaction to being targeted by a power with a dark side descriptor. The key to that, of course, is targeted. So someone could try to force choke you or force lightning you, and even if they fail, you can still spend your force point and retaliate with a force power of your own. Um, I think that's a really nice... Uh, representation of the give and take that happened between a Jedi and a Sith when they're battling using the Force. And it also is really nice tactically because it gives you that bird in the hand in the fact that when someone tries to hit you with the dark side power, you do have the ability to retaliate. And even if, I guess, the power is successful, you can still retaliate because I don't think there's any instance where their dark side power would prevent you from using your light side power. That would be uh, this session. If you want to talk to us or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Alex and I at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, keep having fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right, Alex, Trevor, as usual, thank you very much for Fragments from the Rim. Gleaned a lot of good information as usual. Always do. Yeah, and you know... I hesitate to do this. I really do, but it's it's been a little bit of uh, time, I guess you could say. And no, dude, dude, no, really, you're not you're not talking. Mm. I, you know, yeah, you know, I'm just well, I'm gonna try it anyway because I'm just a glutton for punishment. But anyway, TK four two one, are you there, sir? Uh, TK421, sir, do you copy? Well, hi, Dave. How the hell y'all doing, man? Well, happiness is. How's it going, son? Welcome back there, chief. Oh, man, it is good to be back. I ain't talked to you in a long age, son. Yeah, I know it. I know it, I know it, I know it. So, you know, what's new? What's shaking, Bacon. Oh, man, it's just been crazy. You know, all kinds of stuff's going on in the Empire lately, man. It's, it's been kind of wild. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, my, my new unit, you know, we've been doing some wild and crazy stuff. And we was down at this little bit of watering hole down on Tatooine. You ever been down there, man? Yeah, I just got back, as a matter of fact. Oh, it's just fantastic, man. Uh, it's you know, it's lots of good sun tanning places. But uh, anyway, I was down there at this watering hole, and we was looking to interrogate a, a suspect for a local crime that had been committed. And wouldn't you know it, if this son girl didn't get snatched up by one of them, uh, what do you call it, the, 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 the bounty hunters? Yeah, bounty hunter. They yeah. hunt some bounties, man, I swear to God. But here's what's crazy about this, man. This old bounty hunter, man, is a droid, man. Can you believe that? A droid bounty hunter. 
a droid, man. He was all like skinny looking, had a big old long, like a tan looking head kind of thing, you know. Mm. And I told him, I said, you let that man go. I am giving you an order, you sack of clanking bolts. Ooh. And he punched me in the nose. I didn't think they could do stuff like that, man. Well, you know, there is such a thing as an independent droid. And um, uh, apparently you've just encountered one. Oh, man, they, they, they should be dismantled. It's a terrible, terrible thing. I guess that'll teach me to wear my helmet, I guess. Yeah. What is this world coming to when a bucket of bolts is going to hit you right in the nose? I swear. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, how the hell you been, Hoser? I ain't talked to you in an age. Oh, uh, you know, just been keeping on. Not really doing much of anything. Just thinking about you, man. Just thinking about you. Wondering if you're okay. <laughs> You're, you're, you're too kind, man. I really do appreciate it. I know in this time of economic turmoil, it's hard, you know, keeping that uh, monthly check flowing, but I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I know. You haven't had any layoffs in the uh, Imperial Army, have you? Uh, well, no, the, the, the turnover rate is high, but that's mostly because people get killed on the job. You oh, know how yeah. it is. Yeah, I know how it is. All right, Chief. Yeah, it just means I, I get to have more barbecues, you know, right. to, to, to in, introduce people into the order. Well, yeah. that's good. That's always good to hear. Well, we appreciate you checking in, sir. All right, Hosers. Y'all be good and uh, keep jamming. <laughs> later, Hosers. <laughs> All right, DK. See you later, my friend. Okay, next time, Dave, you got to introduce me to DK. All right. I've next, never had the chance to talk to him. Next time, you're going to have to wait for the music to stop before you talk. <sighs> That's stupid, Hillbilly. You know, I've never actually met TK. You know, it's always Dave that has the contacts. Yeah. Well, you know, it helps to have friends in high places. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. It, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, what do you say we get into the meat of this cast, lady and gent? Yeah, okay. So let's go ahead and get into the meat of said cast. And we're talking about the independent droids. The independent droid prestige class, are we not? We are. We are going to continue our prestige class discussion this week uh, with a continued perusal through the Force Unleashed campaign guide and a hardwired look at the independent droid prestige class. So, so what is an independent droid, ladies and germs? Um, basically, you're, you're a droid that has lost it. <laughs> um, whether by accident or by careful design, you have gone off the deep end and you have become a truly sentient, self-aware being, able to crumple your programming into a tiny little paper ball and bank shot it into the trash can. Um, along with nearly every disadvantage to playing a droid in the entire freaking game. Right. Oh. See, that's what happens when you lose when you lose it. You turn that's to the dark side. When you lose it. Lauded as an amazingly powerful prestige class. Um, perfect for any droid character, it is certainly worth the discussion. So uh, this is a large prestige class with quite a bit to cover, so let's let's delve right in. What do you guys say? Let's get to it. Let's go. Let's okay. do it. Right. Now before we start, it is worth let's noting well taking the time to pimp out one of our prior podcasts, um, episode 43, On the Couch Making Droids, as we went into a great deal in the creation of droid player characters. Our discussion tonight will supplement that episode perfectly, and I will definitely give episode 43 a re-listen if I were you before I went and created any droid characters. Now, younglings, 
return in your Force Unleashed campaign guides to page 46, and let's unfasten our restraining bolts. Fit him with a restraining bolt. The Master's Sailing Barge. Master's Sailing Barge. Greetings, programs. Let's talk about the basics. No. No? That's that's my phrase. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, please, don't let me stop you. Kevin Flynn. Kevin Flynn. Well, lay it on me in your best Flynn. Do it. Come on, right now. Don't wait for the translation. Go. Greetings, programs. (laughs) (laughs) Impressive. I'm I'm impressed. Yep. There's the show title right there. Boom. Greetings. Pro- it's boom. Yeah, that's it. Boom. boom. See, asses in seats right there. Asses in seats. I love it. Well, let's talk about the basics of independent droid prestige classes, um, which are utterly amazing. Look, the talents are nifty. The talents are pretty wicked. But this class is dripping with awesome sauce strictly over its basic features. It's easy to get into, and it is almost broke-tastic in terms of what it can do. So let's talk about it. We're going to talk about it all here on the Order 66 podcast because that's how we roll. Tis. Tis how we roll. Do you have a spare ear of corn? No. All right. Why? That, yeah. No, I'm, well, just, whatever. Uh, I'm just a little hungry. That's all. Okay, so let's talk about droid assembly, huh? Droid assembly are the prerequisites. Um, so the prerequisites for this cast. Uh, Dave, what minimum level do you think you need to be to enter this prestige class? Twelve. Seven. Three. Three! Right. Three. That is holy. awesome. You were to say holy cow? I said I said holy cow. Holy cow. Three. Dude, not seven. N- not twelve. At level four, you are an independent droid. You can be, yes. And this makes that prestige class the only one of its kind in terms of how early you can enter it. Um, other prerequisites, uh, train skills. you got to be trained and use computer. Well, duh. duh. Um, but that might actually involve some planning. Very few battle droids are going to be trained and use computer. So you might want to think about that. Uh, systems. You have to have a system prerequisite of a heuristic processor. Mm. Well, um, yeah. Duh. If you're... If you're a droid hero, you already have one of these. You kind of have to. Um, you basically, you need to be able to learn in order to free yourself from the shackles of organic meatbag control. Um, and lastly, the special requirement, it's only available to droids. Ah, from Milton Bradley, the game the whole family can play. It's only available. Uh, so, yeah, it, this is incredibly easy to get into. Incredibly easy. Um, so, all right. That in itself is really cool, but let, let's talk about the basics. Okay. The negatives first. You're stuck with a poor base attack bonus. Yeah, well, you know what? This class has so much freaking win, it really doesn't matter. All right. Um, defense bonuses. Now, first of all, a, a plus two to reflex defense and a plus four to will defense. Now, that's not stupendous for a martial character, but again, you're entering this at fourth level, okay? So don't complain. Normally, you don't get those kind of boosts until you're up there at eighth level, at least. Right. Okay, now we get to it. Would either one of you like to guess what hit die this prestige class has? Well, I'm going to take a crack at it because there's no con score, so it better be pretty damn good. It is what pretty you, damn good. What is your guess? D10. It's pretty damn good? D, D10. D20. <laughs> <laughs> that would how be about nice. a D7? How about, uh, how, about do, how about two D6s and a D3? 
They have all those. This class has a D12 hit die. D12. Right. Holy droid overkill, Batman. See, that's what uh, I'm talking MP. about right there. That's what Word. I'm talking about. But you don't get you don't get your you know your con bonus. Of course not. That's why you have the D12 because it right. puts you now on par with pretty much everyone else. Right. I mean, listen, it's like you say, man. As a droid, your hit points will always be lower than that of an organic in the same class, always. But now you can rise up the hit point ranks. Now, two other main basic features of this class. At first level, you gain sapience, or the real reason you took this prestige class. This ability takes two of the primary balancing aspects that keep droid PCs from being broke-tastic, and it sets them on fire, waits until they stop screaming, and then pisses on them to put them out. First of all, huh. you can now choose to turn off your droid immunities to mind-affecting effects, allowing you to now benefit from positive mind-affecting effects, or ignore them if they're harmful. You are also immune to the effects of restraining bolts. And, um, oh yeah, you've disabled your behavioral inhibitor! You can do anything you want. You can kill anything or anyone you want. And you don't need to be a class 4 droid, relegated to being a stupid moron of a droid, able to go, to be able to go bang-bang, basically. So, so with all of this taken away... That means the only drawback is that you don't have a con modifier. Yeah, but even then, you get the D12 hit die to help balance that out. Right. So it's 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 stupid. It's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. And the other basic ability you're not going to get till second level. It's the even level ability of this prestige class called Independent Spirit, and it's pretty tight. Um, one of the best, in my opinion. Once an encounter, you can boost a defense score of your choice as a reaction adding a bonus equal to one-half your class level. So 10th level independent droid, once an encounter, can just choose as a reaction to get a plus five to one of their defenses. Okay. That's good. I like it. That's freaking awesome. Considering it's level five before you're going to see that, so you're going to at least get two points of bonus? Uh, well, at level five you get one. But still, one. Just automatic play. You know what? How, how many times have you have you been hit by just one point? And it says, oh, one more boost, one more boost, one more boost. Yeah, it's awesome. Right. Now, is it one half your class level or one half of your prestige class level? One half of your prestige class level. Oh, okay. All right. So you're good there. All right. Well, moving on to, uh, I guess, the, the talent trees here in a segment I like to call, What Are You Doing, Dave? Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, the independent droid prestige class introduces two brand new talent trees that are only available to that prestige class. Note, though, that unlike most other prestige classes, these two trees are the only trees you can pick from. Okay, um, Except, of course, the new droid talent trees that are on page 102 of the book, which you can take at any time, but that's another podcast. Entirely. Entirely, yes. So, let's talk about these. Okay, first and foremost, the smaller of the two talent trees, the autonomy talent tree and it's all about maintaining your independence as a, a freed droid all right first and foremost the talent we got here defensive electronics um this is okay but okay add your class level to your will defense anytime somebody tries to reprogram you so it makes you tougher to reprogram I, I, I don't know. I think this is a neat talent, but I can't see it being too terribly useful in-game unless you've just got a really crappy GM, uh, the kind of guy who you know gets his PC droid in a situation where he's going to be mind-wiped. So, you know, yeesh. That's, you know, if, you're, if you're at that point, you know, 
that's pretty bad. When good like games a, go bad. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a role-playing decision more than anything. Very much a role-playing decision. But as far as a mechanical benefit, you know, it's cool, but you know, not too terribly useful in game. After careful now, consideration, I've come to the conclusion that that talent sucks. <laughs> what were you going to ask, TG? So to echo a question that Dave just asked, it says class level, you said class level, is that your prestige class level? Or your character level. That is prestige class level. Anytime you see class level, it means of that class or that prestige class. Anytime it says level, it's talking about character level. Gotcha. Right. Next talent in the tree. Simple. Ion resistance. Basically, you gain DR10 against ion damage. Meh. I think that's cool. That's nice. It's nice, but I mean, it's it would be the equivalent of a you know of an organic gaining DR10 against stun damage. Yeah, you know, right. Um, bah. It's it's kind of useful. The biggest thing though is is you know if you do get hit with a massive ion blast, it is going to move you two steps down the condition track. This will seriously cut into that. So that's kind of nice. Right. So in essence, I, I don't consider it so much as dr ten against ion damage as it is uh, raising my damage threshold by ten against ion damage. <laughs> right. So that's cool. Right. Uh, All right. Meh. After careful consideration, I've come to the conclusion that that talent also sucks. Well, I'm about to change your considerations with this talent. Soft reset. Fracking cool. Is that like a cold boot? Warm boot? Yes. No, yes. It's a cold boot, basically. So, okay, if, if, you're, if you're a disabled droid, i.e. you're at the bottom of the condition track, um, zero hit points, and you got that way from hits that didn't exceed your damage threshold, which would kill you if it did, um, basically two rounds after you fall unconscious or you become disabled, you reset you you wake up and you move plus one step on the condition track, um, and you know since droids don't make con checks when they're unconscious to wake up, um, they literally have to be repaired. Like a disabled droid remains disabled forever until they're repaired. They run no no risk of dying, but they don't wake up on their own. Okay, with this they can actually wake up on their own, and they're guaranteed to wake up two rounds later. Huh. Ah, that's all you right. You know, Data does that in uh, Star Trek. Oh, and it begins. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> so I, 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 see, I, anyway, I think Soft Reset is awesome. I like the uh, episode where Data like goes in and shows them. Oh, a- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot both in the head. <laughs> yes, let's <now>. go. <laughs> Laser beams from my eyes. Oh, my God. When he when he takes when he takes oh. the president in <laughs> to show him the freak show. and then Oh, you know, my God. I'm going to hurt you both. Or the one where he creates his own daughter. That's just... Moving on. (laughs) The next talent in this tree, modification specialist. Very simple. You don't suffer the minus five penalty to mechanics or use computer checks to modify or reprogram yourself. Because normally if you try to modify yourself with mechanics or reprogram yourself with use computer, if you're doing it to yourself, you suffer a minus five penalty. So basically you can become a more efficient, broke-tastic machine of death. Um, Bottom line. Um, as we discussed in Making Droids on the Couch, uh, one of the nice things about being a droid that makes it so potentially broken is the fact that you continually modify yourself, add upgrades, as well as reprogram yourself to change out feats and talent choices and stuff like that. Ah, I see. So this makes it a heck of a lot easier to do. So. Okay. So after careful yeah. consideration, I've come to the conclusion that this talent does not suck. It does not suck. Now, the final talent in the autonomy talent tree... Um, is called Repair Self. I now, like this one. Yeah, yeah. When, when repairing yourself, 
you repair one extra hit point for each point by which you exceeded the mechanics DC. Now, remember, machines don't work like uh, mechanics does not work like treat injury, which does this normally. If you're treating injury for first aid, and and TG, I know with your noble, you're used to this process. Yeah. You know, you, you hit that DC 15, and they heal their character level, but every point beyond that 15, they they heal extra. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well. It's not like that in mechanics. If you're using mechanics to repair, you hit a DC 20, the droid heals his character level. Bam! That's it. It doesn't matter. If you hit a 30, they're not going to heal their... They're not going to repair their character level plus 10. It's and just... Are they, are they only limited to once per day? No. On... on, on oh, you mean on repair? No. That, 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 that's the big caveat, is you can get repaired as often as you want. That's how yeah, they make up... Yeah, baby. Okay? Okay. Um, it's just an hour's worth of work. Um, but with this... When you repair yourself, that carryover actually does repair additional hit points. So that's a BFD. I mean, I can sit there for you know several hours and just continually repair myself, continually repair myself, and get there very quickly. So sure, I, I think that talent is completely awesome. Well, yeah. So uh, I if I can if I can spend if I'm level seven if I can spend three hours and repair myself. 21 points mm-hmm. versus spending a talent to spend one hour and potentially heal yourself yeah. 21 points. But I'm going to have to spend at least an hour. And so one hour versus three hours in most instances, uh, if I've got an hour to repair myself, I'll probably have three. Well, okay. Right. That's one possibility, but let me throw this at you. Let's say you're level four and this is the first level in the prestige class. You're only going to heal four points per hour. That's it. If you've got, you know, 21 hit points. That's seven hours of repair time compared to one. That's pretty extensive. Um, mm. So there is that. Furthermore, um, there is a feat, um, and I'm, I'm trying to remember which which book it is. It, it, it is in, um, but it basically um, it's a, sort of a, a, a droid repair expertise that kind of does what surgical expertise does. It allows you to make repairs in 10 minutes instead of an hour. Oh, that's and that beautiful. combined with this becomes broken. Yeah, I would say so. Easy. Well, the next talent tree that uh, this prestige class has access to is called the Specialized Droid Talent Tree. And this is an interesting tree. It's pretty much all about epitomizing what you are. Um, and it's got great talents for one-offs and level dips, too. Level dip. Level dip. Dip your tea the, in the level pool. Dip. The level dip is tasty dip. Mmm, with a bag of Funyuns. Gotta love it. First, ba- first Funyun out of this bag is a uh, talent called Computer Language. Now, you got to be able to speak binary to take this, which is kind of an odd prereq since you have to be a droid to get access to it anyway, and that means you automatically speak binary. See, there's but, another duh moment for you. It's uh, another duh moment. We need to have Rodney on the show. I know. God. <laughs> but this is an interesting talent. Basically, you can use a, a droid with this can use their persuasion modifier in place of their use computer checks. So instead of making a use computer check when interfacing with a computer, you just make a persuasion check since you are a computer and you've learned to persuade computer. Um, this is kind of situational, but it's absolutely fantastic for a protocol droid who uses his charm instead of his technical acumen. Um, now, this is kind of a less than optimal feat, though, since to even get here, to get to this prestige class, you already have to be trained in used computer. That's a prereq for the prestige class. Yeah. So you are going to have an okay used computer skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
But if you have crappy intelligence and you're totally boss in persuasion, maybe you've got a great charisma um, and you're trained and you've got skill focus in it, this is you know really going to help you out in terms of being able to use computer well. Yeah, so. there you go. But if you're boss in persuasion, then why would you train and use computer? Because you have to to get into the prestige class. Yeah. Bah. That <laughs> sounds like min-maxing, not role-playing. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, well, you know what? We'll have you talk to the author of the book. No, I think this is a good role-playing choice. Literally, what this is, is if, if I've got a protocol droid, and I don't, it doesn't make sense for me to become a super hacker, um, you know, and, and take skill focus, use computer, and be really good at it, but it makes sense that I should be able to reason with that computer, because I have good personal skills, um, then this allows that to translate over. Right. I, I think it's a neat option. Hello. Ah, goodness, look at you and your persuasion skills. Did, hey, you, hey. did you take computer language? No. no. Well, you, uh, uh, you're immune to binary. <laughs> ah. That's true. Ah, yes. No, no, what I did just do, though, in that little computer battle we just waged, was the next talent in this tree, which is Computer Master, which lets you re-roll any opposed used computer check, keeping the better result. That's nice. It is nice, but... Opposed use computer checks are kind of a rarity in this game, actually. Yeah, you the don't only find time you ever see that is like when you're trying to hack somebody's system, and yeah. and they're def- and they're specifically trying to stop you. Right. That's pretty much you know the only time because a lot of most use computer checks in the game are against a static DC right. or a will defense. Right. But you know, still, still, this is very fitting and very good good for role playing for like an R two style slicer. This I really like six. Okay, move on. Enhanced manipulation. Okay, mm. now you got to have a dex of at least 15 to pick this up. So you're already a pretty dexterous fellow, uh, or droid. <laughs> but eh. now, with this, Thank you, can you, take, you can take 10 with any dex-based skill check, even when you're threatened or you wouldn't normally be able to. Now, think about that. That means that if you take 10, you, you, know, you could always succeed on your acrobatics check to tumble, or always get a really good initiative score, or stealth if you're an assassin droid, or, oh, oh, yeah, Pilot is a yep. dex-based skill check. I mean, okay, that TG, I know in Brev's game right now, you're playing a Duros pilot, and you know the power of pilot. If you could just take 10 on all your pilot checks and be guaranteed to get that 25 every single time, would you not do that? Yes. She would. Of course she would. She would. You know, we can't hear her because her mic is muted. Right, because she's talking to herself and going, yap, 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 yap. And... Yes, I would. I would do that. But I don't know how you can take 10 on an initiative roll. Well, it's because it's just a skill check. That's it. It is, yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's a dexterity-based skill check. But what the t- take 10 represents is that you're just taking 10 minutes to really do a much better job at concentrating. Well, your, that's, that's, a, it, right? that's, that's more of a, of a D&D praxia right there. That is the that's, D&D, that's kind of, yeah. Kind of, okay. kind of what they talk about. With, with this, taking 10 just means I'm doing an average job. They, they use the same terminology. But, and, and the thing is, you know, if I took 10 minutes, this is what it would take. What this talent lets you do is take 10 as a single action because you have enhanced manipulation. That's right. And that's really, that's really awesome. Stop thinking D&D on this show. That's an Especially order. for a woman who disliked 3-5 so terribly much. I know. Smack me around. Come yes. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Smackage <laughs> inbound. There is a young child in the chat room, Chris. He's not young. He's 13. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. The next two talents in this tree that I want to talk about are wonderful, and I like them both. 
Hotwired processor and power surge. Okay, now hotwired processor, pretty interesting. It is one of these two self buffs. Whoa, whoa, we don't need any of that on the show. Ah, wait for it. <laughs> Basically, you hotwire your own processor as a swift action, and the effect lasts for a number of rounds equal to half of your character level. Now, during that time, when you're hotwired, you get a plus five circumstance bonus to any and all intelligence and wisdom-based skill checks, and you get a plus one to your attack rolls. But when the hot wire ends after those few rounds, you move minus one persistent step down the condition track, meaning you can't move up the condition track until you take the time to get repaired. Really? So, what a great like this. Uh, what a great image this is. I could just see this little independent R2 droid sitting there going, Wow! When the, when, it, when the proverbial S hits the proverbial fan and he you know reaches one of his own mandibles inside and hotwires his own processor to jumpstart himself, all these sparks flying out, and he manages to go into overdrive and make the ultimate used computer check or mechanics check that he needs to save the ship, and then you know he you know goes unconscious as soon as the encounter's over. See, he, that, that's pretty much what real life happens with a lot of geeks, you know? I mean, they go crazy, they buff themselves, <laughs> Themselves, they scream, and then all of a sudden, they go down one step down the condition track. So. <laughs> oh. And then, oh, wait, never yeah, mind. That's just yeah, I was going to say, you just, you, just, you just described my average evening. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Okay, I like this talent more than the previous, the enhanced manipulation. I think you get more out of the hot-wired processor. It, almost too much. I know, but, I do. But, but it's so counteracted by that persistent condition at the end. And it takes time to repair, so it's not just like you you know you wait a few minutes and oh you're back up a condition track. You have to sit down and take time to repair yourself. I really like that. Yep. Now, by the same token, Power mm -hmm. Surge is kind of the big brother to this, very similar to Hotwired Processor, but instead it, it's more of a uh, uh, physical than it is uh, mental. So, Power Surge, you cause a surge in your power matrix. You get a plus one circumstance bonus to attack rolls, and you deal plus one die of damage, and your speed increases by two squares. Nice. Holy crap. Nice, nice. I like that one. I no. mean, that just, that, 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 that's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's big time worth it right there. I'm, 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 Apparently you're having a stroke. I'm at a loss for words. I'm, 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 I'm studying. Oh, my gosh. We just lost half the chat room and most of our <laughs> listeners. Again? That hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, we went from 82 down to, oh, my gosh. No. They're just leaving. I, I think everybody's gone They're leaving in droves, in yep. droves, in yeah. droves. Yeah. I don't blame them. All right, the last talent in this talent tree is a talent called Skill Conversion. And this is another odd one. So one of the strengths of being a droid is the fact that you can reprogram yourself. You can, you know, change out your talents and feats accordingly. Well, the thing is, if I switch out, let's say I want to reprogram one of my trained skills, um, I have to just train in another skill. I can't reprogram out of a trained skill and pick up a feat in its place. I can't train a, a reprogram out of a talent and pick up a trained skill. It's kind of got to be, you know, the same thing. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. with skill conversion, you can sacrifice one of your trained skills when you're reprogramming, and then instead of training in another skill, you can gain a skill focus bonus feat instead. So let's say I, you know, I, I, I'm trained in both pilot and um, acrobatics, and I never use acrobatics, and I want to train out of it, but I also want to be a better pilot. Well, 
I can reprogram myself and train out of acrobatics. And instead of choosing another skill to train in, I can just pick up skill-focused pilot instead and make myself really awesome as a pilot. So, I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting option. A little one-off, I guess. But um, Just imagine if droids were able to be Force-sensitive. Now, <laughs> would, this, would this stack if I took skill-focused... No, because you're actually training into the skill focus bonus feat specifically, okay. and you you know you can't take the skill focus feat twice for the same skill. So, okay, so it's a it's a talent to give you the feat instead it, it, of a talent a, well, to give you bonus points. It, it's a talent to allow you to give yourself the feat. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Right. Basically. So yeah, yeah. So not bad, not bad. Well, okay, so we've talked about all this. Let's let's bring it to a conclusion, talk about kind of what we can do with it. And I know, you know TG, you mentioned some role-playing implications earlier. Um, I, I want to call this segment, I'm sorry, Meatbag, were you saying something? Um, I'm going to start saying that to you more often now. Nice. Yes, I fear this. You want this, don't you? All right, using this prestige class. Um, bottom line, this prestige class is crazy. Okay, uh, one of the detractions uh, of excuse me of the detractions that to playing a droid that we outlined in episode forty three. What keeps a droid from being broken by a determined player? All of them, all of them, except for one, can be removed flat out via this prestige class. Low hit points, that's fixed. Okay, well, I can't shoot stuff? Well, that's fixed. I can't heal myself easily? Well, that's fixed. Well, I can't benefit from what the party noble gives everybody else? Well, that's fixed. Okay. The only thing left is the most role-playing related one of all. You're a droid. Your property. If you piss someone off and they shoot you, it's not murder. It is vandalism. So as a GM, how do you play to this? How do you keep your independent droids in check? You play this weakness to the hilt. As an independent droid, you are now the hunted. Remember, an independent droid in the galaxy far, far away is a liability, a malfunction that most star systems will pay handsome bounties to have destroyed. Most independent droids, as a result, they hide in plain sight. Um, improper actions on their part can lead to discovery, and that's something they want to avoid. And frankly, I think that's a great character concept. Um, the tools are available here to make any droid type into a great PC, but remaining a walking clanker instead of a heap of scrap is a hard thing to do, and it's fun. Um, I mean, TG, you know, in, in Cat's game right now that we're both playing in, I'm having the privilege of playing in, um, I've made a droid that has just started going the, down the path of the independent droid prestige class. And yeah. it's one of those things. He just hides in plain sight, appearing as a service droid, until he decides to, you know, set everyone on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, and people notice. It's like, wow, I better kill everybody now. <laughs> it's... Um, it's rather interesting. I mean, what do you guys think about that? How do you think uh, this can affect the role-playing aspect in the game, and how should a GM and a player handle it? You already said it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure somebody's going to say, well, we need you to add more opinion, but honestly, you pretty much said it. You've, you uh, summed it up pretty well there. Yeah, thanks a lot for asking us a question. You already answered. Move on. Yeah. That's my thing. That's what I do. There you go. Okay, okay. So, so moving on then. Droids are the best. That's kind of the the key paradox here. 
droids are smarter than most organics, and they're faster, and they're stronger. So if you're a damage-dealing meat wall, uh, excuse me, <laughs> a Durasteel wall, uh, things like Power Surge, Repair Self, Soft Reset, they can help keep you that way. And these abilities are far in excess of anything an organic fighter can get at such a low level. All right? If you're a tech foo master, a hot-wired processor and computer master, they put you a cut above the rest. Enhanced manipulation does this for many archetypes, and that is really awesome. That's the power of what this prestige class can give you. But aside from the best, you can also be the rest. This prestige class accomplishes two things to me. Not only does it exemplify what allow you to exemplify what you do as a droid to the ultimate degree, it can also help you diversify out of such a mold, okay? With things like computer language and mod specialist, rounding it all out, we're talking about the potential to build for a very well-rounded droid character here, and I like that. But lastly, my, my favorite part about this prestige class is the fact that it is dip-tastic. Um, it is a tasty, tasty, tasty dip. Uh, marvelous for that one-level dip. Um, I mean, my, just... my, uh, my French onion dip. Right? This is yeah, this is better. Oh, oh, dude. Yeah, sorry. What it is, but because because you know why? Because your French onion dip, I can't take one dip in it and all of a sudden get myself sapience and a quick D twelve hit die and one of several very useful talents. I mean, honestly, what droid couldn't benefit from enhanced manipulation as a one off? Okay, or soft reset or any of the self buffs? Okay, um, like a uh, hot wired processor and and power surge, um. Bottom line, I just think it's a very powerful class, perhaps a little too powerful, um, but it's there. And I think proper GMing is really the key. And more than anything else, for me at least, this class opens up wonderful hooks for stories and good role-playing opportunity. So there you go. I bet she's talking and her mic is muted again. No, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Are you thinking really, really hard? I I am. <laughs> it hurt. I took some aspirin, though, to help. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that is it, guys. That is the Independent Droid Prestige class. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if any of you guys out there in the Gamer Nation have any show suggestions, again, this is your podcast. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. Um Please let us know. Email us again, gmchris or gmdave at d20radio.com, or get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Post your mind. Let us know. We already have wonderful, several wonderful suggestions for stuff in the pipe, and uh, we are going to be getting to it when we get to it. So let us know. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. So you, uh, know, what that, you know what that means, don't you? Oh. This music makes me a sad panda. I know. I know. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's right. sad. It's all right. You know, it's just the end of another show, number 63, in a long string of shows that dates back over a year now. Ah, uh, It does my heart good. Yes, it does. So... All right, a little bit of house cleaning um, on the Order 66 podcast here. Uh, next week, we'll have a show. The week after that, we'll have a show. The following week, which would be episode 66, we will not have a show. It will wait. Yeah, it's going to take a couple of weeks. We have a giant deal uh, going on at work. 
And so we are unfortunately not going to take the chance. And so just ahead of time, there will, there will be no cast the first weekend in May. Right. But after that, <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, go- it's going to be spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening and uh, tuning in again, once again this week. And um, we hope to talk to you next week. I want to thank my co-hosts, GM Dave and the lovely Atwilek Goodness for uh, uh, lending yourselves to my pointless banter this week. It was a pleasure, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I'm just happy to be here. Oh, and with that, Gamer Nation, thank you. I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. And... Okay, keep those dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Daydreaming. I love that song. I'm welcomed. I feel welcomed. Yes, of course. It's a fun song. It's. I had my mic muted and was dancing to myself. It was... Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> we, we need to get a webcam on her. Oh, just, <laughs> we do. We do. My gosh, I'm telling you. So... So, dude, I'm, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I know I know. this is this is daydreaming with GM Dave, but I gotta say, um, so yesterday I finally got through listening to Geekapalooza. Yeah. The first episode. You guys did a good job, man. We enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I'm, I, I can't. I can't wait for future episodes. I am. I am. I am stoked. It was. It was very entertaining and good to listen to while I worked. Yep. Well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it because, after all, that was the intent of it. Is it not? Yeah. It is yeah. entertainment, enjoyment. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, in all of its forms. In all of its forms. Hopefully. That's right. Because, you know, you never know when or if, I guess you could say, you never know um, if a Geekapalooza is all of a sudden going to break out in a theater near you. Right? And if it does, then what needs to happen is that you need to be able to be armed with the Here's following to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain John Picard of the Enterprise. Captain John Picard of the Enterprise. 
Okay, there you go. <laughs> More <laughs> dancing and squealing on my part. <laughs> Yay! Yes, those of you who haven't listened to the first episode of Geekapalooza yet, you will learn of TG's unhealthy obsession with a certain bald actor named Patrick Stewart. That's right. Moreover, oh. moreover, um, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Of the oh, USS Enterprise. Enterprise. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Okay. All right. So let me, let me, uh, I found a little piece of news here that I could have told you, but, you know, sometimes you just got to know off the top of your head. So if the people at Ohio State University yeah. are to be believed, yeah. Facebook lowers your grades. Really? Yeah. So they took a bunch of students from Ohio Dominican University and Ohio State University and made a study out of them and said that, found that Facebook users had a GPA, average GPA, between 3.0 and 3.5. The average user that, uh, the average student that was not a Facebook user wound up with GPAs between 3.5 and 4.0. As a, uh, a holder of a degree in psychology and a person with a fair amount of statistics under their belt and scientific theory, I will say the following and leave it at that. Correlation does not equal causation. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Meaning Facebook does not necessarily lower your grades as much as people who are poor academically are more inclined to go on Facebook. Right. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. So, anyway, yeah. So, mm. the the stu- you know the funny thing is that they found the students that had jobs, in addition to going to school, were less likely to be Facebook users. So, you know, what, is that, <gasps> what, what is that, a uh, shock! Wow, you know, I mean, you're talking about committed individuals that aren't using Facebook. So, anyway, I'm here to say Ohio State University, crap. There you go. Hey, man, your tax dollars were spent to help fund that research. Great. Awesome. I'm really happy about that. I knew that you would be. Yeah. So um, I, I also need to, um, to also point out during daydreaming here that um, Harry Callis has passed away. Oh, dude, I heard about that. Now, I'm, I'm, um, I'm not as big a baseball fan as you. Remind me, he was the Phillies announcer, was it? Yeah, he was he was the Phillies announcer, but most of you guys would know him more along the lines of a the voice of NFL films after John Facenda died. No way, that's the same guy. Yeah, he's the guy that does like the NFL bloopers and all that stuff. Yeah, it's the same guy. I was reading about this. They said they 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 found him in in his booth. Yeah, they did before the game. Oh, dude! I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's quite sad. So, it is. It is. It is. It is. <sighs> That's a shame. Yeah. So, yeah, he was one of my favorites. I, li- I like. I don't know. I don't know why. I thought he was going to last for a long time. But, you know. Everybody must die at some point in time. That's what they say. I've been told that. I refuse to believe it. Yeah. Good. I, mean, I won't. I won't believe it until I'm dead. 
<laughs> and then you'll really believe it. And then I, yeah, and then I just might, you know, I just might. I'll be meeting my maker, asking, "Can I get in, please?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the rest of you, but I plan on living forever. Yeah, right. Okay. Good, or at least is longer than me, right? Oh. Yeah, if it makes you happy. Thanks. <laughs> Only if it makes you. Only if it makes you happy, though. So, did y'all have a good Easter? Yeah, it was it was nice. We actually went to. Um, uh, and, and by the way, Briggs, shout out to uh, Chris Bradshaw, GM Chance, if he's listening, because we took his advice and went to go see the Nickelback concert on Saturday night. Oh my god, it was so awesome! Can it I was, say it was really good? It was really good. I haven't seen a rock concert that good in a very long time. Yeah, they had opened Saving Abel, which is one of my most recent favorite obsessions. And then they had Seether, which I found out that I actually really love. Hey, you know what? You know, okay. Do you remember our our conversation on Geekapalooza when you asked me, you know, we were talking about favorite body parts and I told you that I liked women's butts that were a little bit flatter? Yes. Saving Abel has an album cover that has like the perfect female ass for me on it. Ah, yeah, so it's a good guys, album cover. You guys like go that. look at that album cover and you'll find out exactly what my favorite body part is. With the the tramp stamp on her. Yeah, well, I can say I don't, that I don't because like I have that. one too. I don't so like no. that phony tramp stamp thing. You know, because it's obviously photoshopped in there. So here's for you. This one, right here. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. There you go. They sing that at the concert. Yes, they did. Oh, yeah, and it got they, it got lighters held to the sky. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it did. They did a good job with it because they really allowed us to allowed, yeah, allowed us to connect with them personally. Yeah, they, they showed personal photographs of them growing up in their yes. little bitty hometown where they came from. It was an artfully produced montage. It was yeah. very, very moving. But no, dude. It was listen. It was a good freaking rock concert, man. I mean, it was it was almost cliche in how good it was, and the fact that you had pyrotechnics everywhere, big explosions, and jets of blue flame, and it was just, it was great. And they had fun doing it. And that was the best part. It was a good show. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it's, it's it's lumber. It's lumberjack rock, but hey, it's enjoyable to me. But they really perform really well, and. Yeah, okay, so Lumberjack Rock, whatever. Their drummer kicks ass. He was incredible. I, I was kind of impressed with their drummer, yeah. He did like a, a like a seven-minute solo that blew people away. But yeah, uh, In the chat room, uh, Darth Everyone's like, ah, nickels suck. <laughs> and then his son's in there, shut up, Dad. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Their photo montage or... The the video of uh, out of in color Jamie Johnson in color. Which one? What would you choose? I don't. I'm not a country music fan. I have no idea who Jamie Johnson is, nor have I seen the video. Uh, no, you, you, you gotta turn, you gotta turn that off, man. Seriously. Seriously. Uh. Uh, I don't recall this segment being called Daydreaming with GM Chris, now do I? Uh, fair enough. Fair enough, you hoser. 
<laughs> yeah, hoser. Yeah, hoser. Gotta see it in hoser. Oh, but Easter weekend itself was was pretty freaking cool. We got to go out and see family, so it was it was good. How about you? Uh, you know, um, I just I was there. You know, it was a very busy weekend with soccer. We had soccer and we had more soccer, and even on Easter Sunday we had soccer. Good so, grief. Yeah, you know, Ugh. and then we went from soccer straight to family and the Easter egg hunt in somewhat wet backyard, a little bit muddy. The kids got all dirty, but uh, it was fun. And, you know, of course, we're, you know, of Hispanic heritage. So the Easter egg hunt was made up of cascarones, which for all you English speaking folk. What's that mean, man? I don't understand what that means. You guys don't know nothing about Spanish, man. Those are confetti eggs to all you great unwashed white people. Limeys. Confetti eggs? I still, I'm really white. I'm so white, I'm clear. So you're going to have to really explain what confetti eggs are. All right, it's a boiled egg, hard-boiled egg. You crack it open, and a confetti is inside the egg. You've never seen this, ever? No. My God, hang up and kill yourself. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of that, Darth Vane is like, country music and Nickelback? Is it possible to force lightning yourself? (laughs) That's so funny. Yes. So, um, yes. So, you know, that was just one of those deals that we had fun cracking eggs over each other's heads. And I've, I had confetti still popping out of my jacket at work today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still found two or three pieces of confetti in my workstation because I was wearing the same jacket today. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a good Easter, all things considered. And, you know, it's just a, yeah, just a good time. Awesome. Um, one other thing uh, that we are looking at doing that I want to put in, in daydreaming, and this is this is in response to a possibility that we could take D20 Radio to even higher heights in the very near future and, uh, and fill a void that may be uh, opening up for us. We are going to manufacturer best of CDs. I am so excited about this idea. It makes me happy. Yep. And by what I what I mean by best of CDs, there are going to be DVDs because it's going to be like way too much information to put on a CD. So the idea is we're going to take the crunch the crunch segments, the the um oh, what am I trying to say? The crunchy segments. The, the crunchy, crunchy segments that we've just talked about classes prestige classes feats talents just that stuff right and put that all on a dvd for all the classes that we've talked about thus far which is going to be a buttload by the way quite a bit and we're going to make it available via the d20 download slash support page where all the swag is located and we're going to do this a la pbs so you guys go on there, make a donation of X dollar amount. We don't even know what that's going to be yet to help us support the show. And I swear this is going to be the last time we talk about donations and stuff. You guys either support us or you don't. And, you know, we'll bring you the content or we won't. And, um, you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, we'll do what we can and we do the best we can for the Gamer Nation because we love you guys, all of you. Yes. Anyway, we're thinking like if uh, if you hit the level of 40 bucks or whatever, and I'm just throwing that out then you will get a best of CD or DVD sent 
to your doorstep. How about that? I'm excited by this concept. It makes me happy in the guckles of my heart. Yeah, so, you know. It makes me happy, too. So, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be well-received or what, but, you know. I don't know. Uh, either way, I think it's a really cool, 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 cool option. And, oh, I have one more final announcement. I am almost done uh, working with the fine folks over at Chessex to create the custom color that is going to be on this year's specialty D20 radio die uh, available to attendees of Gen Con. <laughs> Blue so orange. I'm, you know, we're, we're God, we're what, what, five months away, and I'm, I'm already six months, you know, five months away, four months away, and I'm, I'm already just, just itching in my boots with excitement about both that and ReaperCon next month. I'm totally stoked about. Right. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, ReaperCon. I can't wait for that one. Um, the last, the last bit that I had to talk about here in daydreaming is, is something that's gonna actually follow into the holocron whenever we do the holocron, but I just didn't want to wait a month to, to put it out there. <laughs> Um, D20 Radio will probably utilize this Ustream channel, but what we are going to do in the Holocron or in Star Wars The Old Republic is we are going to actually take over a cantina with our guild, and we're going to broadcast through the Ustream channel either on a Friday or Saturday night, and we're going to have like a dance party that's in-game, but also on Ustream. So you guys go into the cantina and in the background launch your Ustream browser where you can hear us and we will be broadcasting live from the cantina on Nalhutta or the Moss Eisley cantina or something along those lines. Does that sound fun? I was so excited by this. I think it's a great idea. There have been some creative, like, in-game events for guilds and i think this is one of the uh more creative i really really like it yeah and i mean this isn't just going to be the guild thing but oh well, yeah but i mean anyone who wants to listen in and take part but yeah yeah. Um, yeah i mean anybody that walks into that cantina and logs into our Ustream feed you know would be able to you know it's as, as if we're there you know broadcasting live from whatever cantina we're in it, I mean, it just—it seems like for the role-playing aspect of it, it—it's just going to be really, really fun. And so, anyway, bottom line is we are looking for, and we've—we've we've got a few people who already said they wanted to be DJs for us, but we need individuals with capabilities to be able to broadcast live, talk over music, the whole bit. If you are possible. If it's possible for you to do that, let us know because I'm going to be the primary person to do this. But, uh, you know, there are times, obviously, when I won't be around. And if we're going to try and keep this up on a regular schedule, then I really, really, really want to do it. It sounds fun. It does. It excites me. Yeah. So, anyway, that's about it. I think that's about it for the show. (laughs) I think so, too. It's late. Bed calleth me. Bed does calleth. So, for Twi'lek goodness, and again, thank you to our sponsors, GoDaddy.com and ThinkGeek.com and Audible.com. If you guys 
please, if you visit those retailers, go to the D20 Radio homepage and click on one of those links to get you to their website and then make all the purchases you want. It gives us credit and we would absolutely love it. And for all those fine sponsors and Twi'lek goodness and GM Chris, this is GM Dave saying thank you all for allowing us to invade your personal space. You guys stay hard, keep jamming, and we will see ya.